The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Howard streaks in! Touchdown! Parsons has second! Prescott keeps it! And he bangs it into the touchdown! And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback, Nick Harris... John Mashoda and Kyle Yeomans. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Talking Cowboys. It is a Talking Thursday today. Talking Thursday. The week's going by kind of fast here. Yep. Uh, myself, Isaiah Stanback, Nick Harris, and John Machoda in the building. KY Kyle Yeomans will be in the building sooner than later. Uh, I think his uh, his unicycle blew a tire, so uh, he's going to come in a little bit hotter than normal. Uh, but how are y'all doing today? Doing good. Doing, doing good. Right? Yeah, Kyle had some heavy shoes, you know. He was, yeah. he was pumping that unicycle, busted a tire. Have so. you been on a unicycle before? I actually have not. I'm not coordinated enough for really? all that. No, I can't even ride a skateboard. Like, if it doesn't have, like, Severe stability, I can't do it. Like it's just it's what, not like, gonna work for like me. Like unicycles were like man, they were like part of gym class back in the day. I feel like or PE. Not for me. Man. Really? I would no way. Am I the only one? I don't know. Man. Is it Seattle just that weird that we had unicycles in our PE classes? That's actually very yeah. on brand. I just see yeah. Yeah, you can see like a lot of people in <laughs> Seattle just riding unicycles. Does it make me a bad person that I came in here and I was kind of relieved that I wasn't the last person oh. now i don't want any oh. anything bad to happen to kyle obviously what you talk about I'm, his unicycle not, or his unicycle <laughs> but when i texted the group coming in hot because i was running late i was like man i hate being the last i don't want anybody to be waiting because i'm holding the group up and so when i came in here and i saw an open seat i was like all right i you feel relieved. a little bit better i'm not the last person whatever but obviously we want the unicycle to get fixed yeah we gotta get the unicycle fixed oh um, but no that's good man so talking thursday obviously we're getting ready for the game with dallas cowboys versus detroit lions uh the fighting dan campbells uh we've been hitting on what well, yesterday we hit on offense a little bit uh, in terms of detroit and some of the weapons that they have some of the issues that they propose uh we talked a little bit about their backfield and then their two-headed monster in montgomery and gibbs um and the issues that they they provide um and obviously the receiving core um that they have out there and and who we're worried about who we're not worried about today we're going to talk a little bit about the defense okay we're going to preview that uh, dallas cowboys offense versus that defense but before we get into that we need to know what's going on around the building mr nick harris and any news and notes popping off yeah yesterday was a busy day um we could start with it was around uh, right when we got off the show yesterday um the cowboys made the decision to waive uh, linebacker rashawn evans who they signed uh, earlier in the season whenever leighton vanderesh went down with his season-ending neck injury and they activated offensive tackle matt Waletsko from the injured reserve and it was met with a lot of um how do I say this? Mm. Hate on Twitter. <laughs> mm. uh, t- Twitter fans were not enjoying it. As the day progressed and the news came out, um, it, it kind of made a little bit more sense as far as context goes as why the Cowboys maybe released him. Um, uh, Mike McCarthy said in his press conference yesterday that you know later in the week there will be more answers to questions and stuff like that. So that leads me to believe that they're open to bringing him back to the practice squad. Mm. Now, he wouldn't be able to play if he came back to the practice squad because he started – his season on the practice squad and used all three of his elevations. So if he was to go back to the practice squad, he wouldn't be able to play until the playoffs at the earliest. But for Matt, well, let's go. 
uh, it's an opportunity to get back on the field. Um, and I'll kind of preview what the injury report is looking like. Tyron Smith did not practice yesterday with a back injury. And then uh, Chumi Doga popped up with a toe injury. So if mm. both of those guys can't go, then, you know, Matt Willetsko maybe is, is the next man up or Awesome Richards is going to be one of those two guys. So uh, it's, it's a big a big opportunity for Willetsko to not only get on the roster, but potentially even play this week. And can you remind the people exactly why Willetsko wasn't hasn't really been active as yeah. of late? So, yeah, so his rookie year, he dealt with shoulder subluxation. Is that mm, how you say it? Yes, I can't sir. say that word. I know it too um, well. But he had it in one shoulder. I forget which one it was last year. It was a, it was a left shoulder. Oh, no, he's right tackle, right? So, yeah, But he, he had it in one shoulder last year, and now he's got it in the other oh. shoulder this year uh, that he suffered uh, during the preseason. I believe that was the last preseason game against the – Raiders when he suffered that uh, shoulder subluxation um, and he's been on injured reserve since then um, he got back on the practice field about three weeks ago they opened up that 21 day window and he was a full participant from that moment on so it looks like he's been ready to go it was just about like finding him a spot on the roster yeah. and this is his spot so this is a big opportunity for him to get back on the field how do you feel <laughs> yeah, about the man. possibility of not having Tyron Smith or I don't think I think Chumo would play but obviously he's dealing with a toe injury from the game I am less concerned this week than I was last week. Um, I think the defensive line of Miami Dolphins is a lot more active than that of Detroit Lions. Um, obviously, we'll get into that a little bit more here in a bit, but uh, Detroit Lions' defensive line doesn't scare me. They don't scare me. They're they're solid. They're disciplined, but they don't individually don't fear me. I, I don't fear them in that regard as I did with Miami. They don't fear they me. They don't fear me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't fear me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm less concerned about Tyron's availability this week, but Obviously, you just want him back 100% healthy. So whatever that requires, if that requires, if he's if he got those shots in his back and now he feels good and he can come back and play this week, then I'll be more than elated. If he can't, then just let you know that he's not 100, hopefully, and he gets back next week ready, getting ready for the playoffs, you know, as, as a warm-up for the playoffs. So um, just want him healthy, man, uh, and want this entire offensive line healthy because to the, to the conversation that we had yesterday, we can't afford any of these guys to be gone. You know, we can't shuffle the deck. You know, the deck has been shuffled too many times over the past few years, and now you just want guys to be where they where their feet are and just be constant and be, you know, steadfast, just just be be consistent so that Dak can be sure back there because when Dak is unsure in terms of his safety, just like any quarterback in this league, you we know what can happen. Um, you saw what happened with Brock Purdy the other day. Brock Purdy was Mr. You know, bus driver, no interceptions, and all of a sudden he gets a little pressure on him and whoop. Here you go. Take it. Four interceptions later, you know, it, you know he's a different guy, and that's any quarterback, you know, who doesn't have the ability to necessarily utilize their feet. So we don't want Dak getting out, having to get out the pocket, um, just cause. So I hope that I hope that Tyron could be there. But shout out to Matt Walesco. Hopefully his his shoulders are are intact and he's ready to go. You know, your opportunities in this league come from different various ways, you know, whether it be somebody underperforming. A lot of times it comes from injury. In this instance, it came from, you know, we'll let the end of the week tell, but it seems like behavior type stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully he gets his, you know, hopefully he doesn't get an opportunity to play. No disrespect to him. But because of Tyron, yeah. <laughs> but if he does get his opportunity, I hope that he that he shows out. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads us into the injury report from yesterday. I spoke kind of about Chumley Doga. Uh, and we were talking with Mike McCarthy and kind of the walk off yesterday after the press conference, and he was. Uh, um, we were kind of talking about, well, let's go, and he's like, yeah, you know, Tyron, he's been hurt, and you know, Chuma got dinged up in the Miami game. He's like, did that pop up on the injury report yesterday? And he kind of looked around. He's like, 
he's healthy. He's good. But then he did pop up on the injury report <laughs> later that day. Um, so he's he was limited with a toe injury. Uh, something to keep an eye on. He, obviously, he wasn't listed on Tuesday. Um, we can go down the list here. Rico Dowdle, he's been ba- battling that ankle injury. Mm-hmm. He was limited on Tuesday. He's been limited the last few weeks, but he did not practice yesterday. So maybe something to keep an eye on there. If he can't go, then you're looking at you know Malik. Hunter Lipke, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Malik Davis is out of elevation, so you can't use Malik. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it would be kind of a interesting uh, 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 compliment to Tony Pollard. Whoever why do you, would have why to, do you believe that they elevated Malik and did not utilize him? Special teams. He was he was yeah. utilized on special teams all three games. He was the uh, uh, what what's what's right in front of the uh, the kick returner. What do you call that? Just like the first protector, first basically. Number, yeah, 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 first, just yeah. off the offset. Yeah. So he he was utilizing that role all three games and every yeah. single kick return. So uh, he was helping out Turpin in those instances. Uh, but yeah, didn't really use him in the backfield much, especially. You know, when the running game wasn't really working in Miami, it kind of surprised me that they didn't at least try him a couple times just to see what, yeah. you know, he could bring to the table from a running game perspective. Uh, we'll keep going here. Um, let's see. Jonathan Hankins, once again, did not practice. Malik Hooker was back to a full participant yesterday. That's a good sign. Hunter Lipke, as well, with his thigh injury, was back to a full participant. Uh, Zach Martin did not practice yesterday with rest. Uh, no worries there. Uh, Zach Martin continues to not practice. And then Matt Walesko was a full participant with his shoulder. So, um, Kind of a couple of things to keep an eye on as the week goes on. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting week, especially if Rico Dowdle can't go and and or Tyron Smith slash Chuma Yudoga. Then then you're starting to work Jeez. a lot of things before Saturday. I yeah. know Thursday usually gives us a lot more information in terms of guys' probability for availability on on the game day. Sundays typically this week is going to be Saturday night, obviously, or at AT and T. But what's you guys' confidence level right now in the availability of Jonathan Hankins? So. I would say Tyron Smith is ahead of Jonathan Hankins. Hmm. And we'll know later today when the the injury report comes out, because today will be like a Friday. And last week, Tyron was doubtful. And I'm pretty sure, I'm like 99.9% sure that there has not been a person listed as doubtful that's played this season for the Dallas Cowboys. So if you see Tyron Smith is doubtful or Jonathan Hankins is doubtful, you know that they're they're most likely not playing. I think Tyron's going to be questionable. I don't know about Hankins, so I just I, I I feel a lot more confident because if they list you a questionable, I think it's like fifty fifty that you're going to play or whatever. I think that's closer to sixty or seventy percent that Tyron plays. I think for Jonathan Hankins, it's forty. Yeah, I, I was I was putting it about thirty forty. I bet Hankins is doubtful. Smith is questionable. Um, and there's only been one player in the entire league this year that's played when listed as doubtful, and it was Max Crosby a few weeks ago. So. <laughs> no kidding. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's he's the only he's one. Different. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's, he's different. different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if they were playing the Chiefs, like he's not going to miss that game. So, uh, but yeah, if I, that, that's kind of my prediction, we'll have game designations come out of today since today is technically a Friday in the building, and then tomorrow would be a Saturday. So, uh, yeah, definitely some things to keep an eye on as far as injuries go. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it one bit, man. Um, what's, what's it looking like over there in Detroit? Are they are they looking relatively healthy right now? Yeah, or? yeah. Uh, okay. uh, one moment, G- yeah. Give me. Sorry, I threw the curveball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all things yeah. considered, for this Hold time on. of year, they they, they are. Yeah, I mean, there's like a couple guys that are on their injury list, but in terms of this part of the season, where you look at so many teams that have lost like key guys, because um, early in the year they lost Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and he has been ba- like working back into practice. I don't know if he'll come back for this game, but they're ramping him up so that he could potentially be back uh, for, for the start of the playoffs. But their safeties have actually played pretty well, so it'll be interesting to see how he works back into that mix. But I, it seems like it would be iffy for him to return for this game, but he's he's obviously a, a really good player. I thought 
I thought he was a huge part of the Eagles last year. Like, I, they just kind of helped him putting them over the top. Also, by the way, when the Athletic pulled anonymous players throughout the league, he was by far and away the winner for biggest trash talker in the NFL. So just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> not, he does not surprise <laughs> he me. He outdid Ramsey? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Ramsey wasn't really chirpy yeah, this he last wasn't. week. He was like, not. He was, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Was he bored or I don't, I don't know. know. He didn't weird. follow, so maybe that was a part of it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, for Detroit, uh, their starting left tackle, Taylor Decker, um, did not practice yesterday with a groin injury. He was living it on Tuesday and then was downgraded to a did not practice. So that is that is one thing to keep an eye on as the week goes on. As far as everybody else, we mentioned it yesterday. Uh, backup tight end Brock Wright, uh, who's kind of worked in whenever Laporta's off the field. He did not practice yesterday. Um, but as far as everybody else, like Panay Sewell's on there, Frank Ragnall is on there, but they're full participants. And and then C.J. Gardner-Johnson remains limited, but he still needs to be activated from the IR to play on, on Saturday. All right. That's it. So there, go. there goes the Dallas Cowboys uh, injury report and a little update there and the Detroit Lions. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into what this defense is looking like of the Detroit Lions and how they can try to slow down the offense of the Dallas Cowboys right here on Talking Cowboys. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Black Rifle Coffee Company serves premium coffee to people who love America. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you are directly supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders in your community. Black Rifle's expert roasters love coffee almost as much as Texas loves football, so it makes sense that America's Coffee partnered with America's team. Go online at BlackRifleCoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com to fuel up today. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app only available on select mobile devices message and data rates may apply member fdic welcome back into dear doctor the show where i answer life's questions with an ice cold can of dr pepper sheila let's hear from my next caller would you dear doctor my friend supported me during a tough time but what's the right gift that says thanks for being a shoulder to cry on okay this one's easy i say give her a delicious dr pepper nothing says thanks girl better than a one-of-a-kind soda Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back to Talking Cowboys. 
Welcome back to Talking Cowboys on a Talking Thursday. This portion of the Talking Cowboys is brought to you by Quaker Oats, a super trusted superfood. Quaker Oats, the official oatmeal sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. You guys get your oats in? Uh, did you? Did you? <laughs> you know, I. You know, we didn't. We don't did eat breakfast. Did I get my oats in? I mean, come on. Huh? You've probably yeah. eaten more oats this morning than we have ever before 10 a.m. Probably. No, no doubt. Probably. Yeah. No doubt. I'm about like, I think we might have talked about this. What do you put in your oats? <laughs> I mean, I probably would put strawberries in if I ate Oh, you're a strawberry guy. Yeah. I'm more of like a brown sugar cinnamon guy. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm brown sugar, cinnamon, and I like a little bit. Oh, not cinnamon, but brown sugar for sure, and raisins or craisins. Okay. Preferably so craisins. So are, are you turning it into like, <laughs> we had a joke yesterday with some I can't put about. strawberries in a hot in a hot food. I don't eat oats, so I don't know what you oh, put in. I'm just thinking it, of like what it. you would cook up with like some cereal that I would like. Okay. But anyway, like I always think it's funny when someone gets a salad. Special K guy over here. Someone gets a salad <laughs> and they get like bacon and ranch and all this stuff to where yeah. it's like it's not even really healthy at this yeah. point. Like that's what I'm thinking. Like these yeah. oats are just like it starts off as the it base. Starts off pretty base and solid. Then by the time you guys are done, you're just like, yeah, it's kind of a dessert now. Oh, man. All right. Well, y'all, it's time to talk a little bit of defense for the Detroit Lions and what they can potentially do or what problems they present for the Dallas Cowboys. Hold up. Does that mean it's time for some? Wide 80. Wide 80. It's time for QB Vision with Isaiah Standback. I like it, Nick. That's a good little intro right there. All right, let's get into the details a little bit. The Detroit Lions. All right, right off the bat, as soon as you start talking about the Detroit Lions and their defense, I really believe that the ethos of their team is on defense. I think that Dan Campbell has these guys running and hidden. Aaron Glenn, my former teammate here at the Dallas Cowboys, the defensive coordinator. Um, he was a cornerback here in Dallas, and now he's a D coordinator down at Detroit. There is an identity with this team, and I believe that the physicality is a requirement in order to be on the field for the defense of the Detroit Lions. When you think about what they're doing scheme-wise, it's not a lot of craziness, but you have to have your antennas up. These guys want to come out and be very base. They want to come out with their base defense, and they want to play downhill. They Number one, they want to stop the run. That is right off the back. They want to stop the run. They got some big fellas in the middle. These jokers are huge. I know we talked about how big it was, the guys of Miami Dolphins were. Um, they were big and athletic, more Aaron Donald-ish, right, kind of quick twitch. These guys for the Detroit Lions are just big nasties up front, as, as Nate Newton would call them. Fourth best rush defense in the NFL. Yeah, they're, they're kind of stout. They're stout, and this computer's not – gelling with me but i'm trying to pull up their sizes here so that you guys have a little bit greater understanding uh isaiah bugs big man up front how big is this dude six three three thirty five okay playing right next to him is another big joker in uh benito jones and he is six one three thirty five so when you start talking about the ability to move guys off the ball and move them backwards uh, the probability level is relatively low um, unless you're trying to find a way to get double teams and get combo blocks to be able to push up to the next level. So as we talk about trying to get Tony Pollard, run, get, getting go, him going more frequently, this may not be the best game for that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, at least inside the tackles. However, I do believe that they're that they're kind of soft on the edges. And that's kind of surprising to me because of how much we've talked about Aiden Hutchinson and how important he is to this team. Um, he hasn't been as active as he has been in recent years, at least on film. He's not popping off the film to me. Um, I think he's still giving great effort, but it seems like his technique is nowhere near what it used to be. And I'm not sure what that – I'm not sure why, um, but he's less effective – 
to me on film than he has been in recent years. You know, that's we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson. Yes, we are. That's that's popped out to me as well. And yeah. you think of the problems that has happened with Mozzie Smith in his rookie year, mm. and where both of them went to college. I don't know. It's just something to think about. Like it's it's technique, maybe something that's being lacked at Michigan. Mm. So you're um, picking Bama. I'm picking Bama. <laughs> oh, Jalen Milrow. Bama versus Washington, baby. Let's go. <laughs> if you want to let it go, let Milrow throw. Oh gosh. So, okay. Oh. Interesting. So, yeah, no, so I'm glad that I'm not the only one that's seen that. Aiden Hutchinson, as much as you hear his name, you're going to continue to hear his name in terms of effort. Uh, the next man that you're going to hear in regards to effort is a gentleman that's right behind him in Alex Anzalone. Okay, Alex Anzalone, he is going to be number 34. Um, and then uh, outside of that is going to be Jack Campbell. Those those guys, to me, uh, are the energy buses defensively for them, at least in that front seven. It's going to be very difficult to get, get the ball moving on the ground. That's what I foresee, at least. Do you like Jack Campbell? I, I think coming out, I, I really enjoyed what he did in a Big Ten defense and mm-hmm. was able to be that run stopper and yep. that consistent run guy. And I think he has a lot of that, but I think there's just some things he lacks from a physicality standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know if he can be as physical as he needs to be whenever offensive linemen are pushing yeah, into the second yeah, level. Yeah. That could just be a rookie thing. Like sure. it, You need a couple of years to adjust to that, but what have you seen from that? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see the, that, the physicality from him, but I do see decisiveness in terms of him coming downhill. Like He wants to come downhill. He wants to stop the run, and I think he has the free range to do so because of those big guys in the middle. When you got 700 pounds, you know, close 700 pounds in front of you, it's yeah. relatively easy to be able to roam free um, and pick whatever hole that you want to and then, and then make sure that you're gap disciplined. And that's what these guys are defensively in terms of their rush, their running defense. Uh, they're very gap disciplined. They're not hopping around. They're not doing a bunch of stunts. Their big guys are literally two gapping, meaning that they're just literally just grabbing onto a lineman, pushing them away from them, and then kind of peeking over the shoulders, kind of playing a hide and go seek while they're trying to progress him backwards, um, that, you know, progress the offensive lineman backwards. And then they're letting these linebackers just come and shoot the, shoot the gaps. Um, the problem that I foresee, okay, that that they do a really good job of is whenever they do want to get after the quarterback, they widen the entire line out. Very similar to what, what to what Dan Quinn does with our defensive line whenever he wants to elicit pressure. He widens the guys out to his D tackles out to five techniques. His 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 defensive ends go to freaking. 10, 11 techniques, whatever you want to call it, okay? They're really wide, and he isos um, that center, right? But the thing is, instead of being a Micah Parsons where he's isolating right up the middle, these guys are bringing pressure off the edges. And how that causes issues is it really opens up the gaps uh, between the tackles and the offensive guards. What happened? I'm thinking of left tackle. Yeah. I'm yeah, tackle. And that's so the math. The fact that you bring that up, that's what I'm seeing on film. Whenever they want to elicit pressure, they're really widening those defensive linemen, stretching out your responsibilities as an offensive line, and they're just natural seams. There's natural seams. Now, if it, they're typically doing that on passing down, so you don't even have a threat of run. Because uh, typically, if you see five techniques out there with the defensive tackles and, and 11 techniques with DNs, you're like, okay, just run it up the middle. Whereas typically on passing downs, they're doing this, and they bring their pressure from the edges. And this is where. Aaron Glenn has these guys locked in. Uh, not only are they gap disciplined up front, when they want to bring pressure, and I think they have they have the seventh best pressure rate in the league right now, I believe, if I'm correct. Yeah, seventh best. Dallas is number one. Okay, they are bringing it from wherever, but it's usually one guy. Typically, it's one guy. Every so often, they'll bring two, right? But they usually bring a one guy, and he'll come from anywhere. It could be a cornerback from the field. It could be an outside linebacker. It could be a safety from 17 yards deep. It's crazy how these guys bring pressure, and they don't tip it off. That's the thing. They don't tip it off. Trust me, I was looking for a key. I was looking for some kind of cue. There was nothing. The only thing that I was able to find 
that may raise Dak's antennas up a little bit is when teams motion. If you motion in the direction of of their of their of their obviously if you if you motion across the formation when they adjust over it's almost like a green light for them to go and it's really weird i was looking for it to be consistent obviously it's not nothing that you see is going to be 100 percent right they're just not going to do that but it was a high percentage from the film that i watched that whenever you motion across the formation when they adjust over it almost gives that near side guy the green light to just go regardless of what his responsibilities were before you motion across, and he's like, "All right, I get the I get the green light to go blitz," and it's almost every single time that I've seen it. Um, so, with that, I would say be very wary in terms of what you're doing motion wise, and if you're doing so, like use it as bait because you're because you know what type of action that you're going to get from them, what type of reaction. Um, but something to keep your antennas up on um, as you guys are watching film, as you guys get ready to watch the game, whenever we motion across that formation, keep your eyes on that second level because somebody most likely is coming and there's nothing that they're doing that gives you an indication of who's coming. But you just typically know the area in which it's coming from. Um, did you? Is there anything that you guys saw on film in terms of pressure wise? Pressure wise, I think if if it can be limited mm-hmm. and you can find a stride in being able to limit the pressure that's coming in, there's opportunities in that secondary. Oh yes, it's a really young secondary. I know you'll dive into yeah. it. I, I I think that's where Detroit has had the most struggle in the last Correct. few weeks, as far as you know, they, they've kind of gone through some lumps in the past. Uh, going into like going into Thanksgiving, obviously that Thanksgiving game against Green Bay, and then kind of since then they've been up and down, depending on uh, what game you watch. But I I, I think there's opportunities. To to find some things in, in that secondary over the top. There is. And being that these guys are so adamant about stopping the run, being that their linebackers are very aggressive, their D-line wants to just come downhill forward, they're not doing stunts, they just want to play vertical, they are overly aggressive towards the run. And because they're overly aggressive towards the run, there's a lot of plays that you can get going against them in a play-action game. You can get behind their second level because their linebackers can't cover. Their linebackers, their hips are locked up like Akon. They just they don't open. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but there's I'm there's <laughs> exactly so there's plenty of opportunities there. However, however, their safeties do an amazing job of disguising coverage. Amazing job. This is probably the best I've seen out of disguises of safeties and what their responsibilities are since I played back with Pittsburgh and Troy Palomalu had a freedom to do whatever the heck he wanted to. This is probably the best. And I know that's a that's a big comparison. I'm not saying that these guys are Palomalu, but I'm saying what they're doing with their coverages and their disguises and how the how they're rolling to coverages very late, right? I mean, yes, it's it's one second after the snap, these guys are then rolling. Sometimes these guys are have their safety all the way down in the box and these guys are running back like Troy used to back in the day or in Ed Reed, right? You think about those guys that had the freedom to be at the line of scrimmage and then they're jetting out springs, you know, 20, 25 yards back. That's what these guys do. So in terms of Dak identifying what he believes it to be pre-snap and what he sees it to be post-snap, I think that may present a problem. He's going to have to do a really good job of looking at finding those guys, finding out what he believes that they're supposed to be doing, um, and then getting that confirmation. Because you can really get tricked in terms of where these guys end up after the ball is snapped. And that's a little bit worrisome to me. Just because of how I know where our guys are typically open. Our guys are typically open on the, in the middle of the field. That's usually where we, we like to eat up the middle of the field. And these safeties are all over the place. And don't mess up because their safeties are ball hawks. 
both of their safeties are ball hawks. And the guy who sticks out on film to me, out of more than anybody else on their team. Sorry, this doggone thing just went out on me. Okay, here we go. Uh, number six. <laughs> yeah, go for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. It's Melifonwu. There you go. You said the name. What's the name? If, it's, if, it's Ifedu Melifonwu. There you go. What he said. Ifedu Ife. There you go. He's a beast. He's a beast. I don't know if anybody else perceives it that way, but I do. And he pops off the film to me. He, to me, more than anybody else on this defense, to me, I feel like he, everything revolves around his ability to, to play at the line of scrimmage, to play in coverage, to be a ball hawk, to run and hit. Like, he's the guy that jumps off the film to me when I watch the game. And I've watched multiple games. And it's consistent. And either, he's, either he's intercepting the ball, either he's coming down and playing coverage, uh, from a, from the safety position, he's coming down. He's playing coverage, or he's hitting a mess out of somebody if they're coming across the field. He's making you pay, so you better find out where the heck he's at at all times. Like, if there's one guy that I'm saying, hey, come out there and Dak, circle him and find him. Number six is the guy. Who would you compare him to? Ah, oh, man, you got. He's I'll, long. That's he's the difference. Lanky man. Yeah, he's lanky. And he's rangy, mm-hmm. and unlike a lot of other safeties, they're not sitting back and kind of waiting for the ball to come to them that makes it like they're going to get the ball it's almost like if the ball's in the air like in their head that's their ball like they're they're all their guys are aggressive that way but especially him he has the ability to actually bring it down um i don't know who i would compare him to i really don't i feel like he's i feel like he is like our version of malik hooker but with more more aggressive And, and malik's been playing more aggressive as of late but like i feel like because they don't run that three safety look like Dallas does, he's required. I'm talking about Ife, that is. He's required yeah. to cover more ground. And because of that, you see him flying all over the place. But he's the guy that causes me concern. Not Adam, not, not, not Hutch, not any of these other guys, not, you know, Anzalone. Those are all effort guys. If I'm concerned about anybody on their defense, it's number six. The uh, comparison that NFL.com gave him whenever he was uh, during the draft process was Tremaine Johnson, which is very, very specific. He was a long kind of uh, rangy defensive back. He, he he played more corner, but he played a lot of safety as well. So mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. Um, a couple of numbers I wanted to throw at you here yeah. because I'm honestly, if Tyron Smith plays on, on Sunday or Saturday um, and there's an opportunity to limit that pressure coming off the left mm-hmm. side, I'm not worried about this defense. Yeah, I'm really not. Uh, you look at the pass defense, 24th in the NFL. Um, you look at sacks generated. Would you guess what number that they are in the NFL? Probably Based no. on their pressure rate, seventh in pressure rate. Yeah, they're not getting sacks. Twenty fourth. Yeah, and and as far as getting to the quarterback, yeah. so uh, they beat up, they beat up Denver. They beat the yeah. crap out of Denver. Yeah, <laughs> oh as goodness. long as they can keep Dak clean, and we've seen what Dak can do whenever he is clean in the pocket yeah. this year. I think this this offense is yep. fine. It's it's I'm kind of expecting the shootout that we expected last week. Yeah, and, and this one, but um, yeah, I I, I think if Tyron Smith goes. This offense is fine. If Tyron Smith can't go, I still feel like there's opportunities. It's just there's going to be a little bit more pressure off that left side, as we saw against Miami. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I, I, I mean, obviously it's better with Tyron, but there's something about this team when they play at home. And then the other thing that stands out to me is that there was so much talk after that Niners game about how CD didn't get, didn't get the ball enough. And now the following week, I think it. I mean, his targets went from five against San Francisco, I think seven. Uh, against the Chargers but when they came back after the bye that's when it was like you know 12 14 targets per game man I got a feeling that they're just they're gonna go they're coming out passing from the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah I just see I just see this being a big game for for CeeDee Lamb 
you know, I thought it was interesting to show how Dak was talking about how, like, you know, CD needs three receptions to pass Michael Irvin. Obviously, Michael Irvin will be in the building, at least we yeah. think, with, you know, Jimmy Johnson going to the Ring of Honor. Just everything about this, knowing how the Lions play defensively, I'm like, why are you just going to run into a brick wall? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team, I think it's 3.6, 3.7 yards per carry. I mean, this is one of the best run defenses in the league. I get that you're going to have to run the ball at some point, um, but I would, I would, I think that they're going to start by trying, trying to go up tempo and, and try and move the ball around. One, one player I wanted to ask you about, not about Lions as yeah. much as, you know, you see that you see that catch that that Jalen Tolbert makes yeah. in Miami. You know, what what do you think that that potentially does for a guy's confidence? Not that he needed a confidence booster, but to pull down a big catch like that in a big moment. It's huge for him. It's even greater for Dak. Yeah. It's, it's huge for Jalen Tolbert to get affirmation of his of his self confidence, but it's even greater for Dak in this offense to know that hey, in for a contested catch, right? There's somebody outside of CD. There's somebody outside of Cooks. There's somebody outside of Gallup, right? That we know that can make a contested catch. And this young fella came to play. He's been coming along all year long. And when we when we need him most, he's apparently going to be there. And I think that assurance to this offense and the people who are in charge of calling the plays and and in the operation of the plays is absolutely is huge. I actually asked him that yesterday. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you hey, doing, Kyle? Kyle. Uh, I asked him that yesterday in the locker room. I said, uh, hey, first off, nice play. Second off, what does that do? And he said basically the same thing. He's like, honestly – it, it reminded me of who I used to be, mm-hmm. which I really liked him coming out of the draft at South Alabama. He was a contested catch guy, mm-hmm. but he was doing it against future accountants in the, in the Sun Belt. He wasn't doing it against top-notch professional corners and defensive backs. Like He was he was having to make Are plays. Are guys your accountants? Huh? Are they your accountants now? Yeah, not my accountants. <laughs> Don't make fun of the Fun Belt, all right? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but he was – that's the thing is he, he – he said at times I forgot who I was, yep. and that was another play where it's like I'm back. Yep. I'm I am who I once was, and so yeah, it's a confidence boost for him. But I agree with you. I think that now it gets to the point where you're in a similar similar situation, and you're throwing the ball down the field, and you're going, okay, there's CD, he's covered. There's Gallup or whoever Cooks covered. There's Jalen Tolbert. Let me throw him the ball. Yeah, and yeah, I chance, think that's yeah. huge. It adds another weapon, somebody that you can rely on. Yep. Really quick on the note about CD only needing three receptions on Saturday night. He also needs only 179 yards to mm. to break Irvin's record. So if he gets mm. both, that would be that'd be fascinating. That'd be dope. That'd that be fascinating. Be on Jimmy yeah. Johnson Day, yeah, at Irvin the stadium, will be in the building. And, yeah, that'll be yeah. that'll be interesting. That'll be awesome. I just feel like you just expect this game to be Detroit's going to do everything that they can to run the ball, mm-hmm. keep keep Dallas's offense off yep. the field, <clears throat> and then if Dallas gets a chance to throw the ball over the yard, which they should, mm-hmm. then then they'll be at their best. But I just I look at the way that both these teams have played all season, and, and I don't think that it's – I don't know. I think that this is the biggest game. If, if either one of these teams, whoever wins, it will be their biggest win of the season. That's, that's fair. That's a fair – yeah, fair assessment. I, I think it would be my my biggest win for the Cowboys in terms of confidence level. I can tell you about that a little bit more. I kind of want to talk about that when we come back. Y'all didn't take a second break, right? Nope. No, sir. You want to take it the break? Isaiah, you did no, a good job the man. first we time around. You. You <laughs> you, we'll be back with more Talking Cowboys right after this. 
They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Are you ready to take coffee off your grocery list forever? Black Rifle Coffee Club is here to help. As a coffee club member, you'll get your favorite coffees roasted, packaged, and shipped to your door free of charge on your preferred schedule. Set it, forget it, and never run low on coffee again. Members also get exclusive deals on coffee, products, and discounts from partner brands. Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com to join the coffee club today. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at GetJackBlack.com slash Cowboys with the code CowboysVIP. That's GetJack black.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys vip todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable and now todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour but the good news is todd has at&t 5g that is fast reliable and secure and he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew at&t 5g fast reliable secure it's not complicated 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back to Talkin' Cowboys. <laughs> this, this segment of the show is brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. Isaiah Stanback smiling over there. Oh, gosh. I listened to you guys on the way in. It was great. Oh, God. While awesome. you were changing your tire? Yeah, while I was changing the tire. I still yeah. got, like... Like I noticed. Stuff I noticed. On my you hands. have stuff all yeah. over your hands from. Yeah, I've got grime <laughs> all over. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's a rough day out there. It's okay. Nothing too exciting. Just had a flat tire on the way in. All right. I want to tell you why this game specifically, and I want to see what you guys think about this as well. If if Dallas falls in this game, it almost feels like they're one shield of armor. They're one plate of armor has been penetrated, and that's home field advantage, right? That's that's what it feels like, is when you get to that point in time where you can go into the playoffs and have that one thing you can rely on, and yeah. that's your home field, and that gets just upended by the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand you, Isaiah. Isaiah's so giggly today. He's so, he's, <laughs> it's just as soon as I walk in the building, you Okay. Did you choke up on your tea? Yeah, my tea. Yeah, yeah, I got stuck. I, <clears throat> yeah, the thing good. is, though, 
it's not looking like they're going to play at home in the playoffs. I mean, unless, unless a couple of things happen on wild card. You obviously weekend. don't have any confidence on the road, though. Not right now. Yeah. Man, in three games in a row, losing to Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit, it would be, you know, three quality opponents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beating Washington the following week does nothing, nothing. for you in terms Absolutely. of your Absolutely not. It could be 50. But it could build your right. confidence to say, okay, we're still the same team if you get a win against Detroit. Yeah. You can build that confidence to say this is the same team we just had a couple down weeks against Miami and Buffalo, and they just happen to be on the road. So from where my confidence level has wavered, it hasn't wavered a whole lot this year. I think this team is right where you expected them to be. I picked them to go 11-6, and 12-5, like right around there, and they're there. This is where that team was expected to be. Whether they win the division or not, that's mostly outside of their, their own control. But with this win, I think my confidence would go further up than it has. And I think my confidence would take a hit if they do end up losing more than any other loss this year. Yeah, I can understand that. I think, I think for me, I think the biggest confidence booster for this team was that win against Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, just because the commanding fashion that it happened. I don't. Could you it, say that's the only confidence boost for this team this year? So far this year, um, in terms of a singular win, I know they've blown some teams out. I mean, but. like. That win against the Rams coming out of the bye week, and you look back on that too, especially how the Rams have been playing recently. Yeah, they didn't have Kyron Williams. Yes, Cooper Cup was still getting back on the field and used to things. But like you look back on that, a 23-point win coming out of the bye week at a time when they had a lot of self-reflection in that time, that was a big win. This win would be bigger. A Detroit mm-hmm. win would definitely be bigger. But as far as Philadelphia goes, I mean, a 20-point win against you know the team that made the Super Bowl last year, the team that won the NFC, I, I think that proves what this team can be on their best day. Uh, I'm sure it would give them confidence if they had to go back up to Philly mm-hmm. in um, in January. What do you think? My answer is not going to be received well. I, I feel like this team gained more confidence last week. Okay. Honestly, I think that the question marks, the question marks re- revolving around this team are can you hang with a team that can score points on your defense? And, and run the ball. And I mean, yeah, right. But being able to stop the run, was, it was huge for this team. And facing the Miami Dolphins, which were obviously what fourth in the league in rushing um, and number one in passing, and keeping them to twenty-two points like that, to me, is a huge confidence booster. Um, knowing that minor errors were the reason why, you know, correctable errors were the reason why you lost the ball game. You know, you talk about Tony Pollard not scoring. That's that's something he could change. Like, he just has to trust his speed. You talk about the following play, Hunter Lipke, you know, just not securing the ball. Like, those, that changes the game. Um, and I feel like if you convert on those things, you win the ball game. And Miami, to me, is one of the most threatening teams in the league, From for, to me. They're one of the most threatening teams in the league because you, you just feel as if you can't stop them from scoring. Mm-hmm. And... To me, I believe that they gained a ton of confidence last week off of that, knowing that, hey, they had all their guns. They had all their guns, right? They had Raheem Oster. They had, you know, uh, HN. They had, you know, Tyreek Hill. They had Waddle. They had everybody. And you still held them, and you handled them relatively well and kept them in check. It just your offense had some issues, right? They just fumbled the rock. They had a couple other things they didn't convert on. To me, I gained more confidence with that this this part of the year than anything else that's really happened this year. That's not to say that Philadelphia wasn't important in any of those other things that everybody's probably going to have a rebuttal on. But to me, last week, knowing how close you were and knowing that easy easy corrections changes the the outcome of that game, that, that gives me more confidence than anything. I agree with you. And I think it's funny because of the fact of how many teams would you sit there and say that 
I want to take it another step. I want to say that I'm going to, I'm going to go to the third game that I think is most important. I would agree with you on that. And it's two losses now because I would say the loss at Philadelphia, yeah. the way they played there, come back, win five games in a row off of that. You know, I think as you're leaving the press box when they lost in Philly, you're like, yeah, they're probably going to be pretty down. There. But when you're in the locker room, like I said at the time, and I, and I say again now, that's the most up I've seen a locker room after a loss in any time I've covered the Cowboys. They roll off and win five in a row. So that's one of the top three most important games they've had this year. I think the Miami one's there too, but I would say number one for me would be the, the win against Philly. But yeah. but if they beat the Lions on, on Saturday night, which is where this Lions team's at, how well that they've played, being a division champ, um, I think that would that would take over the top spot for me. You know what's kind of fascinating? They've been through a stretch like this already this season. You you look back to the loss in San Francisco, pretty demoralizing. You look back to the loss in Buffalo, similar things. Then the very next week in both of those instances, you need a late offensive score to take the lead. You need one defensive stop to win mm-hmm. the game. They get that in L.A. They don't get that in Miami. Hmm. But they're able to score and you know make yeah. that game what it was. And then CD's talking about coming out of both of those games, just feed me, feed me, basically. And they come out of the bye week, and what does he do? He rattles off, what is that, mm-hmm. three straight, 150-yard, yeah. 10 reception-plus games. So maybe they fall back on what they know works, and that's feeding CD. And especially in a moment like this, in a game like this, I think this is CD's game. Just because you guys brought it up, especially Isaiah mentioned it a second ago, it probably isn't received well to say that, hey, you're you're building confidence from losses. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I actually do, just disclaimer, I do agree with what you guys are saying. But just as a devil's advocate, is that a losing mindset to say, hey, two of our three most confident building games this year have been in losses? No. Or is that just a, a mindset to say, hey, we – we're not okay with losing, yeah, but we're okay with learning lessons along the way. Everything's line. perspective, right? Everything's perspective. Understanding, like, there's no question this team doesn't have any quit. There's no question about that, okay? You know, they got their butts kicked a few times this year, but they don't have any quit in them. So knowing that, for 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 me, you learn more from – that your the the losses you learn more from adversity that you faced in your life. I mean, I think majority of people do. So to say that you gain more confidence because of the lessons that you learn in those games, to me, doesn't sound crazy. Yeah, I don't need a pat on my back for beating a team. Don't pat me on my back for beating a team. Tell me what I did wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me how I can get better. Like, that's 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 my outlook on life. Like, okay. Well, I shouldn't say this on here, but yeah, there's some there's some awards that I've gotten that I was actually showing my mother in law yesterday, and she's like, "Why don't you have this put up?" I'm like, "Like, I, I did it. Like, what's next? Yeah, like what's next? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can I get better from it? I don't need to keep looking back and seeing, oh yeah, good job, that was awesome. Like, I don't need to look at that. You know, I think like, the difference is though they don't have those plaques on the wall. Okay. They don't have the plaques to put on the wall. I think mm-hmm. that's the whole. I think that's the whole frustration around this team is okay. The, the, looking like a third straight season of a 11-12 win type year. What, what do you get out of it? Mm-hmm. Three straight divisional rounds or mm-hmm. three straight you know wild card slash divisional rounds. That's what fans are expecting For at sure. this point because you come off of two losses against really good teams on the road, knowing that you're going to have to do that same exact thing in January. Mm-hmm. And I understand where the fans are coming from. So because they don't have those you know accolades under Mike McCarthy or even under Jason Garrett yep. going back under Dak Prescott. Got. So it, I think there's a little bit of difference there because they have to prove that they can stay in that realm when January comes. And I See, think if you can win in January, then it's a completely different story. I agree. But like, regardless of like how people perceive it, everything that you can talk about in regards to the Dallas Cowboys is history. History. And that's anything, right? You can say, now I have more confidence because of what their history shows me, right? But in regards to the opportunities that are in front of you, you're in the playoffs. 
that's that's your number. I mean, that's number one goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me an opportunity to go host to Lombardi. Right now, fans don't want playoffs. I, I I hear you, but but in order to even have a shot, yeah, you got to get in the playoffs, and that's just the reality. That's taking emotion out of it. Yeah. So now that I'm in there, okay, now I'm in there, okay, I need to put myself in the best position to go on a four game win streak. That's it. Don't care how I get in there. Yep. Right. Now there's preferred methods get of in getting the in there. Right. There's preferred methods in get terms of home field, easier routes, and things yeah. of that nature. But at the end of the day, I need a four game stretch in two weeks. Uh, me and Kyle kind of <laughs> talked about this yesterday, and uh, I'll let him take it here. But the Rangers had a very similar kind of yeah, yes, kind yeah. of run. We walked outside yesterday to media availability, and uh, "Take Me Higher" by Creed was playing. Mm. I was like, "Wow, maybe they're trying to channel their inner Texas Rangers." Because if you look at the Texas Rangers and the way that they played down the stretch, and and I know this is a football show, but hold tight. I, I promise it does relate. No, a lot of the similarities you're going to say are very similar to Mike McCarthy's 2010 Packers team, but going. Wow, interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, they weren't that great at, They weren't that great in December. And nope. They, they, they pitter-pattered down the stretch. They weren't very good on the road all season long. I'm talking about the Rangers specifically. They And they, they blew the division late. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Let's not blow the division mm-hmm. late, and let's see if we can still win that thing. Mm-hmm. you got two weeks left to try and sure. do that. But let's say that the the probabilities reign true and you do end up losing the division. Well, the Texas Rangers still found a way to go through the toughest route in the American League and beat the top teams, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Baltimore Orioles, and then, of course, the Houston Astros to get to the World Series, and then they won every single road game along the way. It can happen. It has happened in pro sports this year. It's happened in your city this year. So, yeah, like you said, get in the dang tournament and see if you can figure it out from there. Get on a run. I just don't worry as much about communication and baseball on the road as I do. <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of wild, though. The like, home, home thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just that Tom Brady's the last quarterback to beat the, beat the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. That just sounds weird. Whoa. That is weird. How weird is that going to sound if they win against Detroit and they don't play at home again right. until <laughs> right. later next year? The other one I was thinking of is that Tyler Smith, that was like – that's the only home loss that he's been part of. Mm-hmm. So he just is used to just walking in the locker room like, yeah, no, we just win whatever we're here. Like he's, had, he's been part <laughs> of the one. first time that he's had back-to-back losses. Since oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Um, looking at the 2010 Packers really quick, they had two December losses, both of them on the road um, to Detroit and New England, and then obviously rattled off six straight wins to win the Super Bowl. But the difference there, they didn't lose a game by more than four points all season. They went 10-6 and six in the regular season. And I don't think they had Rodgers for both of those losses. Yeah. I think they he's played one, a little bit in the Detroit game, and then Matt Flynn came in. I think Matt Flynn played the other game too. So Matt it's Flynn, not apples to apples. Matt but. Flynn, Tyler Legacy High School, let's go. Uh, but they had to go on the road in the play. <laughs> Playoffs, uh, the po- uh, in the playoffs they had to go East win Texas. at Philadelphia, at Atlanta, at Chicago. So I mean, yeah, it's been done by Mike McCarthy. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Also, uh, the Cowboys, this current Cowboys team is a lot healthier than that Packers team was. Nice. So, <laughs> knock on wood. Uh, John, not going to be here tomorrow. What's your pick for the game? Uh, I got Cowboys thirty-one, uh, Lions twenty-four. Nice. I just from when the schedule came out to season started till. Right after both games ended last week, I've never wavered on this. I just knowing the both of these teams and the way that they play, I just I will be very surprised if the Cowboys don't win this game. There you go. You're from Detroit. You got a lot of Detroit people hitting you up this week. I, I got five or six coming down, but yeah. that's also because I mean, go to the game, but then also New yeah. Year's Eve, hang out. And Are they going to come hang out with Ooh, Cowboys Jam pregame turn live? Up. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Cowboys pregame live beforehand. I'm going to try it. I'll see. I'll hey. see. I think they're going to be at Texas Live, but we'll we'll try and get them to come over. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. That'll be fun. All right, we got to get off the air. 
John, we will see you on Tuesday after a happy new year. See you next year. Yes, sir. Yeah, there you go. For Isaiah Stanback, Chris Beam in the back, John Machota, Nick Harris, I'm Kyle Yeomans. We'll see you tomorrow with a Say It With Your Chest Friday and more Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, guys?